Lord, we come to you and we thank you again for this time to be together, to reflect upon your word, to think about what you have to say to us, to guide us, to understand, Lord, in our lives all the more. We thank you for the story as we're going through it and as we can just really take in um, how our story fits in your story. Even though we're not uh, back there in Daniel's time, Lord, we can still understand some of the the challenges in their lives and the things they went through. We can see their example. We can learn from them, Lord. And so we ask your blessing upon us in this time. We pray in the name of Christ. Amen. Well, the first job I had in ministry was uh, being a part-time junior high ministry at a, a minister at a church in Rancho Cucamonga. And uh, if you don't know where Rancho Cucamonga is, it's kind of above Ontario, a little north of Ontario. And uh, I was working about 10 hours a week in this job. My friend had become the director of all the student ministries. He had a full-time job. He's gotten paid lots of money, right? And he brought me in. I'm working part-time. And as we talked about this job, we talked about it growing in nature. And so I came thinking that the, the, the church would grow. It was a growing area, a growing church. The church would grow. The ministry would grow. My position would grow. And all would be great, right? But I remember, I remember this day very vividly. One day, the, the senior pastor called me into his office, and I was sitting there across from him, and he said to me, I need to let you know straight out that this ministry is not going to grow for quite some time. In fact, we're cutting it back even now. We're eliminating this position from our church. And when he said those words, we're eliminating this position, I just looked at him like, what? You know, I had moved all this way. I was thinking that it was going to grow. And I remember going out, and I just felt, we have the PowerPoint up? There we go. I feel just kind of standing there, just kind of like this person, looking out, just feeling lost, wondering, what was I going to do next? I had thought that this position was going to grow into a maybe ultimately full-time position. And now I didn't have a job. And so I gave it over to the Lord, and I said, Lord, Help me to just trust in you that you will provide another position for me. And not long after that, I met another friend of mine, and he said, Oh, by the way, the high school pastor position at Bel Air Presbyterian Church is open. Why don't you interview for it? And I did, and ultimately I got the job as the full-time high school director at Bel Air Presbyterian Church. Now, I mentioned this story because while we're talking about the Israelites being in exile, this morning, we are not literally in exile, but there are times in our lives when we might feel like we're in exile, right? You lose a job, you, you lose a loved one, you, you are dealing with a sickness, you, you experience a trouble, trauma, an accident. These things come to you, you're struggling to find your way, and you feel like you are in exile. And so we're going to learn some things from Daniel and and his friends, as we talk about them being in exile in Babylon. And as we talk about that, we're going to see that they found themselves in a position they did not like, right? They're in exile. They're away from their land. But God said, in this time, in this experience, what I want from you is just to trust in me and continue to follow me. That's the message. When we are in exile, when we're feeling lost, trust in me and follow me. Many of you know that uh, Tammy and my son, uh, Tyler, has a wheat allergy and some gluten issues. 
Now, it was really bad when he was 16 in high school. You know, at that time, usually your, your high school boys, they eat you out of house and home, right? You can't have enough food in the house, and they're eating all the time, and they're maybe putting, they're not really putting on weight because they're high school teen, teenagers, right? But Tyler was not only not putting on weight, he was not eating all the time. He was hardly eating at all. In fact, he lost in about a six-month period of time 10 pounds. Now, if you know Tyler, you know that he can't afford to lose 10 pounds, right? And it was really concerning for us as parents. And so we ultimately took him to a specialist, and the specialist discovered that he had a wheat allergy and some issues to gluten. And so we immediately changed his diet and things got better, and he started to gain weight again and started to eat more and, and do much better. And so now he, he is pretty much, he sticks to a, a strictly non-wheat and non-gluten diet. Now he, he kind of goes off that. You know, we all kind of go off that a little bit when we're supposed to be on diets, right? We don't always stay on that. But most of the time, um, he does that because when he eats wheat and when he eats gluten, then he doesn't feel as good. So he sticks to that diet. Now, I mentioned that story because one of our stories in the book of Daniel is Daniel and some of his companions were being groomed to be in the king's court. And the king had this special diet that he wanted all of these people to eat, believing that it would make them healthy and prepare them to be uh, strong and healthy for the king's court. But it went against uh, Daniel's religion, his religious diet. And so he refused to um, he refused to do that. Read the underlying part with me. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. The official was uh, concerned that, that Daniel would not be healthy and the king would be upset and the official would be in trouble. And so Dan, Daniel said, Put this to a test. Let me and my companions eat our diet, and then after this time, we will compare ourselves to those um, of others. And they did. The official agreed. And at the end, Daniel and his companions were more healthy and better, better prepared. And the king came, and in verse 19, the king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's Service. You ever feel tempted to compromise your faith or faithfulness to God? I think we all do. We live in a world that causes us to question our faith, causes us to question our faithfulness, leads us, tempts us to do things that go against our faith, go against what God would have us to do. Constantly, these things are coming into our lives, challenging us how will we live. What decisions will we make? Will we stand true to what we believe or will we give in and will we do what others want us to do, even if it goes against what we know God does not want us to do? And so Daniel and others are challenged greatly, weren't they? We read, I read for the children and Norman read for us two amazing stories. The first story that uh, I want to highlight is is that of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? So the king builds a statue. He wants to be worshipped. Whenever the music plays, they're supposed to bow down and worship. And so we hear these verses again. 
read the yellow part with me. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, so all the people are told this, you must fall down and worship this statue, this image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. So now this is not something of the heart, is it? This is not the kind of worship where you see the king and you say, oh, I respect and I honor this king and I love this king so much and therefore I'm going to bow down and I'm going to worship. I mean, this is just flat out threats and fear, right? You are going to worship me and if you don't worship me, then guess what? You're going to be thrown into this blazing furnace and you're going to be burned up, right? So out of fear, people are bowing down to the king and worshiping him. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego Say, no way. I am not going to compromise my faith. And so they're brought to the king. And they, oh, before that, a good question, huh? Do you, do I have the kind of conviction in our faith that when we're faced with these kinds of things, maybe you're going to be ostracized by something. Maybe you might be fired from your job. Maybe you might be um, ridiculed by someone. Whatever. There's all kinds of things that happen in our world. Do we have the kind of conviction in our faith that even when these bad things, these fearful things come to us, we will stand strong and we will stay true to God? That's a challenge, isn't it? And we see that the trials in our life is really what determines if we of faith in God. If Christ is really our Savior and Lord, when these trials come, how we react, how we act, are we staying faithful? Those trials will help to determine if Christ is really our Savior and Lord. It's not the easy times, it's not, it's not the good times, it's not when you're hanging around your Christian friends or you're in church. You know, that's, that's good too, but it's really the trials in our life, the challenges, the hardships, how do we react? Do we react with faith? Do we react with trust? Do we walk faithfully with God? See, they believed that even if they were to die, they would rather die than worship the king. But they believed that God would be there for them. And so as we see the faithfulness of Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, they get thrown into the fire, and sure enough, God protects them. They are not burned up. They turn this, in fact, they turned the furnace so hot that it burned some of the, killed some of the guards who were putting them into the furnace. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were safe. And God's name was glorified because of their Faithfulness. Our faithfulness to God glorifies God. Say that with me. Our faithfulness to God glorifies God. When we are faithful in those challenges of life, when we are faithful in those temptations of life, when we are faithful, when people put pressure on us to be unfaithful, when we are faithful, God's name is glorified and God's Power is seen in and through our lives. Do you remember your dreams? Do you remember your dreams? I usually don't remember my dreams. 
They say that you have to think of them immediately when you wake up or your dreams will just fade away. It's really interesting. You know, dream, dreams are still one of those areas in our world that there's not fully understood. Experts don't, they've tried to study it, they try to understand it, but there's so much about dreams that, are, that is not understood. They're not sure where they originate, they're not sure exactly what their purpose is. Often dreams, have you noticed, they have this surreal quality about them, don't they? They just don't make sense oftentimes. They're just so abstract. Many believe that uh, our dreams are a processing, processing of our day or maybe a processing of our emotions. But I believe that if God created us, which I do believe that, and God created us to dream, which that's true, then I believe that dreams have a purpose. Now, maybe that purpose is for processing our day or processing our emotions, for our subconscious to kind of work through some things, right? But I also believe that sometimes God gives us dreams for a purpose. God gives us dreams with a message. And one of the stories we see in the book of Daniel is King Nebuchadnezzar. He has two different dreams. And he wants to know about these dreams. Now, he's powerful, so he says, you know, I have the power to try to summon anyone to tell me my dreams, right? So he goes to all of his different prophets, all of his seers, and he says, tell me about my dream, and none of them can do it. But Daniel hears about this, and Daniel prays to God, God, give me the ability to interpret these dreams that I may glorify your name in doing so. And so Daniel comes to the king, and when he comes to the king, he admits to the king, only God can reveal the mysteries of life. Only God can reveal the mysteries of these dreams, and I believe God has given me that ability. Daniel 2.28, read the underline with me. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in days to come. And so Daniel gives an interpretation of his first dream that there are these, there's a statue. And these statues uh, represent a series of kingdoms. And each kingdom is less glorious than the one before it. And it's indicated by the decreasing value in the metals of each, uh, of each statue. And Daniel identifies Nebuchadnezzar as the head of gold, stating that God has given Nebuchadnezzar much power. So Nebuchadnezzar is liking this interpretation so far, right? I'm the head, I'm the gold, I'm the one that's above all others. And the next kingdom, he says, that it will arise will be inferior to Babylon, and so will the next. And finally, there will come a fourth kingdom, and this kingdom will be as strong as iron. It will crush and break all the other kingdoms because it is one that God will set up and will never be destroyed. And so Daniel is giving Nebuchadnezzar this, this uh, we're not there yet, right? He's given him this understanding of his dream, but he's also given him a warning. Yes, you're the head of the kingdom right now, but there is going to be a kingdom that is greater than yours, and there is a king that is greater than you, and that is God. And I'm giving you this understanding, this warning right now. And then he talks about his second dream. And in the second dream, Nebuchadnezzar sees a tree. And Daniel explains that the tree in the dream is symbolic to Nebuchadnezzar and his kingdom. Again, about his rule and his kingdom. And then Daniel says, I'm sure he wasn't excited to have to tell Nebuchadnezzar this, but he said, 
but you will become like an animal living in the field, eating grass like cattle. Now, I'm sure Nebuchadnezzar didn't like to hear about that. And he said, but this judgment will last seven years. It is during the time of this period that your kingdom will collapse. It will collapse because of your pride. So Daniel's telling them straight out, this is what's going to happen. Because you're a pride, your kingdom is going to come, uh, going to crumble. And it's going to crumble because God is going to show you that he is the most high God and only God alone is the one who is to be worshipped. You know, you hear sermons, you read the Bible, you maybe read Bible studies, you hear others speak, you go to small groups or, or a Sunday school class, or you, you hear these teachings of the word. We would do well to listen to what they say. We will do well not just to listen and to hear and to understand, but to apply it to our life so that we would not fall because of pride, because of disobedience. We can learn well from Nebuchadnezzar during the battle of uh, Spotsylvania, uh, Union General John Sedgwick was addressing his troops. And he was walking along, and he came to this one part where the wall was shorter, and he was exposed, and the enemy was out that way. And one of his commanders said to him, General, I think you should duck down. You are exposed. You will be shot if you aren't careful. And Sedgwick said these words. He said, They couldn't hit an elephant from that distance. And as soon as the words came out of his mouth, he was shot dead. Shot dead. His pride led to his death, didn't it? Because he didn't show caution. Well, we see this happening here. After interpreting the dream, Daniel encourages Nebuchadnezzar to repent from his sin to repent from his pride, to humble himself before God so that his prosperity would be lengthened. But Nebuchadnezzar did not listen. And one day he was on his roof, Daniel 4.30. Nebuchadnezzar said, Is not this the great Babylon I have built as a royal residence by my mighty power for the glory of my majesty? You see his pridefulness there? I have built my mighty power, my majesty. And here Nebuchadnezzar is standing in all his pridefulness. And then we read in the next verse, even as the words were on his lips, a voice came from heaven. This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. Daniel warned him, didn't he? Daniel warned him. You know, it's good to have people in your life, but if you don't listen to the wise words that people give you, if you ignore them, then oftentimes you will see that it will lead to your downfall, right? Pride precedes a fall. And we see this happening with Nebuchadnezzar. See, we would do, do well to learn from Nebuchadnezzar and others. We would do well to understand that pride does precede a fall. We would do well to hear and understand the lessons that are to be learned by those maybe who have failed, and by those who have done well. 
people who think of themselves as powerful and mighty and wonderful and better than others, right? We think it is important just to learn from those that we admire, but I would propose to you that we can learn from those, even those from whom we despise. We can learn from them what not to do. We can watch their lives and say, I never want to be like that, and then figure out why they are like that and say, this is what I need to avoid, this behavior. And oftentimes, it is pridefulness that leads to that. Pride, thinking that you are better than someone else. Pride, thinking that your achievements need to be praised by others. Pride, that makes you think that you have more to offer this world. Pride, that makes you think that you are better than others. Or that causes you to care only about yourself. This pride in us leads to our downfall and leads us to not live a life that is worthy of the calling that God gives us. Leads us to live a life that is not going to be purposeful and fruitful and meaningful. Leads us to live a life that is going to be caused with even extra problems and troubles that we create for ourselves. You know, Jesus could have been the most prideful person on the earth, right? I mean, he was God in the flesh. He was better than everyone else. He was greater than everyone else. And yet Jesus gives us the opposite example, doesn't he? Jesus shows us this example of humility. Jesus left heaven, left the confines of heaven, and came to earth and lived in a body, a human body, a frail body. He gave us this example of humility. He allowed himself to be arrested and beaten and crucified for your behalf and mine. Remember, right before that happened, he was in the upper room with his disciples and he washed the disciples' feet. Remember that story? And if you know anything about history, you know that when, when people would enter a home, the, the servant, the slave of the house, would be the one to wash the feet. It was not a fun job. You can only imagine People walking around in sandals, their feet were messy and dirty, and that was the job. And here Jesus washed the disciples' feet. And then he said these words in John 13, 16, and 17. Read the underlying part with me. Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if what? If you do them. Not if you hear them, not just if you hear them and understand them, but if you do them. Unfortunately, more often than not, people fall on one side of the scale or another. Either they think super highly of themselves, right? I am God's gift to the world. Or they think very low of themselves. They don't have a very good self-esteem. It's hard to be in the middle. It's hard to think I need to be humble and still have a good self-esteem for many people. And that is because only in Christ can we really be in that place. Only in Christ can we understand that humility takes strength. You can really only be humble in the way God calls us to be humble if you have a good self-esteem. And that self-esteem comes from understanding that you are a child of God. You are loved by God. God has sacrificed Jesus on behalf of you because of his love for you. You are worthy. 
and special and precious to God. And only in Christ can we understand that we are humble, to be humble, but we are still talented and wonderful and gifted, filled by the Holy Spirit to do God's work. Well, let me close with uh, some words from Jeremiah. Uh, Jeremiah, remember there was, we talked about last week how there was a division of God's people. Some were taken in exile into Babylon, and Daniel was there. And some were still in Jerusalem where sin prevailed and the land was ravaged. And Jeremiah was the prophet there. And he wrote these words. And these words were for the people in exile in Babylon. In verse 10, he starts off, he says, This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. So there is this time frame, right? It's going to be 70 years. At the end of that 70 years, God says, I'm going to bring you back to Jerusalem and you're going to be my people again, right? But then he continues with some wonderful, powerful words. And these words you know well, especially at the beginning. And read the yellow with me. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. Now, a lot of times in our lives we make decisions that take us down this path that starts to stray away from God. We might not even realize it, or sometimes we do realize it. And we go, in, in essence, we're in exile. When we go down this path, it is not what God wants for us. We are in exile. And God says, you know, I have a plan for you. My plan's over here. But you're over here. You're not in my plan. I have a plan for you. My plan is to prosper you. You're, you're, you're dealing with all this harm, all this trouble, all these, all these hardships. You're dealing with all these issues. You don't have to deal with that. If you just would come to me, right? When we accept Jesus as our Savior and our Lord, we then are filled with the Spirit and we're enabled better to live on that right path, that plan that God has for us. He says, why do you want to be in exile? Why do you want to deal with all this stuff? When you could be over here and I could be with you, I could be strengthening you, I can be blessing you. I have plans for you. When you're over here, you don't think about seeking after God. You think about this. And then finally, we like, why am I over here? Why am I in exile? Lord, forgive me. And we're brought back over here. And he says, when you call on me, then you will find me. You'll be found by me, and I will bless you. Second. If you are feeling lost, seek the Lord. If you're feeling in despair, seek the Lord. If you want to see your life be fruitful and meaningful and purposeful, seek the Lord. And you say, well, Pastor, I am seeking the Lord. And I say, amen. Seek him more. We can never seek the Lord enough. We can never seek the Lord as fully as we need to. Call on the Lord. 
Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew that the Lord would prosper them if and when they stayed faithful to God. And that's why in the trials of their life, in the challenges of their life, they believed in God, they trusted in God, they stayed faithful, and God worked in their life, and God was glorified. When we follow the Lord, each day we have this choice, don't we? Will we walk in his will? Will we find hope in him? Will we let him cause us to prosper? When we find ourselves in exile, will we turn to him? These are questions, these are challenges that we have every day, every day. Will I follow the Lord? Will I stay faithful? Will I seek him? I hope the answer to those questions for you is yes, 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 and yes. Amen. Amen. Let's pray.